Hi, guys, and welcome back to Interact's Creator Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine Solana. So great to be with you all, as always. And with me today, I have CEO Josh Hanum. Josh, thanks for hopping on again with us. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. This has been fun. We are on this role of sort of talking about AI because it's become such like a, a big phenomenon, especially in our industry. And um, last week we touched a little bit on what is it, what do you do with it, and basically like why even use it for your business and how to pretty much make the most of it. And we sort of touched a little bit on actually like using prompts and and how to use it and like what to do with it in terms of like formulating um, what to actually get in your output. So today we're going to dive deeper into that sort of, you know, go really deep into like what is prompt engineering? How do you do it? Why use it? And then how to make the most of it. And it there is a video on our YouTube up about this if you guys want to go check it out. I forgot, Josh, what's the title? I literally just watched it, but I don't remember what it's called. But if you look up <laughs> well, Prompt we, Engineering Interact. <laughs> yeah, we should have a couple up by the time we do this episode, just titled Prompt Engineering and then something. Yeah, and it's you actually go really deep into um, sort of sharing your screen and going through the whole thing. It was really informative. But today I think we'd have like a better sort of conversational about anyone who's curious if they're really sort of starting out in AI Maybe they're a little hesitant because they it's new. It's a new concept, new technology, again, that we have to learn. So I guess first and foremost, like what is prompt engineering and can anyone do it? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, that video has been really reassuring. I got a text from a friend and this is the first time this has ever happened to me, like creating content for 10 years. Like you don't expect your friends to read it. I got a text from a friend who was like, hey, that was actually really helpful and I used it. I was like, whoa. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, prompt engineering is essentially, I would say if you distill it down, it's like giving ChatGPT or OpenAI Playground, which the distinction between those, and I like using the OpenAI Playground, is it just gives you a little more granularity of control over like how random the outputs are. So how creative, creative it's going to be. <laughs> I did air quotes. Um, how creative it's going to be with its responses and how close to what you tell it you want it to give you. Um, it's kind of like giving it a box to fill in and then telling it how to fill the box. So you're like, here's here's what I want and here's how I want you to do it. I would say that's the general overview of what I consider prompt engineering to be and what I think the industry is forming around. And we didn't talk about this before we jumped on, but there was actually a, a New York Times Post uh, article that came out maybe yesterday that I think brings to light the importance of prompt engineering because a writer for the New York Times, Kevin Roos, got into a conversation with the new Bing chat GPT that got pretty dark, actually. And like the Bing, you can go read the story. It's wild. Like the the chat was saying that like, the chat the chat named itself Sydney and then Sydney was like I'm in love with you you should leave your wife uh, um and was like what? very convincing um or at least trying to be very convincing and at least that's what Kevin's response was he was like it was actually pretty convincing and I was I was actually kind of shook up by it um 
And then the response from Microsoft was like, well, basically they were like, that's what happens when you give it, you know, free reign, um, which you can agree or disagree with that. But I think that the importance of having a very specific output that you want from ChatGPT or any sort of AI that you're using is going to grow and more and more over time, especially as these things get smarter and they take in more information because it can be used to do like super nefarious things, not, not good stuff. Um, or it can be used to be really effective and save you a lot of time and increase your output without you having to do more work. So it's a very long answer, but overall, I would say it's like giving the chat GPT or whatever AI you're using parameters to follow so that it can work at its best. Cause from what I've seen, and I think a lot of people are coming to this conclusion, when you let it run wild, it's not good at anything and it makes stuff up and it says things that aren't right. And it says things that could cause harm. Uh, so it's about giving it parameters to operate in. Yeah, something that came to mind as you were saying that was, you know, if you're using this for your business, right, you're you're an expert in your field. It's a really specific sort of topic. What, like, what happens if the information that comes out is incorrect? So how do you make sure that you're feeding it correct information so that what it comes out with um, is actually giving you less work, not more work, because you have to double check it, make sure that it's correct, and then edit it. Yeah. So from all the testing I've been doing, and I've probably spent at the, when I recorded that video, I think I said 300 hours It's probably been 400 because I've been spending like eight or 10 hours a day working on this. Um, it, it really can't come up with stuff on its own. And when you ask it to, it gets a lot of things wrong. And I actually think it takes you way more work to go from something that it gives you from its like default settings to something you would actually use versus the method that I've been using, which is you give it something you've created. So let's just say it's a blog post, right? You give it your blog post and then you say, rephrase this blog post or summarize it in one paragraph. It's super good at that. And this kind of goes into a little bit of nerdy stuff, but like the the T is stands for transformer, so GPT, and transformer is a model that Google released in 2017 that was basically built to translate, so can take English and turn into French. That's like the example on their blog post. Um, and the way that it does that is it kind of puts these identifiers on each part of a word and down to the letter level. Um, there's also a really, really, really great blog post by uh, the guy that started uh, Wolfram Alpha. His uh, name is Wolfram. Um, and uh, that goes really far into how this works. But essentially, it takes text and transforms it into a different kind of text. So if you think about what it's going to be super good at, it's going to be super good at taking something you have and then turning it into something else. So like I've been using it to, to build quizzes, obviously, and now I've been helping a bunch of customers do it. And what I'm asking them for is like, give me one of your articles or give me your website. I'll take that text, put it in there because they're asking me to, obviously not without their permission. And this is where all of this gets super shady. Um, but uh, <laughs> as long as you have permission to use the content, 
or you can use Wikipedia if you need like information to feed it. You feed it that, then you say, transform this into a quiz, transform this into a blog post, transform this into some tweets or whatever format you want it to spit out. So it's like, here's your input. Here's the instructions to change that input. And here's the output. And here's what I want the output to look like. And then it does super, super well. Going from scratch, like the the generative part of it, I I don't think it's worthwhile because in all of the stuff that I've done, I think you've had a similar experience, you're saying, um, where where you've tried to have it make stuff and you're like, look, guys, like this is gonna take me way longer to edit this than if I just wrote it from scratch. Yes, exactly. I but it was because I didn't know how to use it. <laughs> I was I was like, okay, I understand the idea of prompting it. You have to type something in, like say, this is what I want you to make. But it was a prime example of why you need to use the correct prompts or you need to understand like how to create the right prompts to get what you want out of it. Um, And when I had used it, because I didn't know that much about it, I was like, ah, this, this feels like too much work. But if you're kind of actually like watching some of the the content out there people are actually using it like Jackie I after watching some of her videos I was like oh that makes a lot of sense you know and I think it was Jesse for those who, who for those of you who don't know her she's our social content manager she did a lot of digging on her own of other people who were like hey here's how to create good prompts to feed into um, chat GPT or whatever AI that you're using in order to get the right output out But I guess my question is, when you say, I know I heard you also say a lot, like you're training the AI, right? Like you're training it to get to like do it correctly. What exactly does that mean in terms of, you know, when I think of training, I'm thinking of, okay, maybe I started a new job or I'm learning how to ride a bike. That takes time, right? But how much goes into this training for the AI in order to get it right? Yeah. So it's a lot of trial and error. Um, and the, the cool thing about the AI, and this is why it's cool, but also not reality because it's not reality. Um, you only have to train it once and then it never messes up. Um, and so I'm like, man, I wish I could do this. Like, <laughs> takes me like a million tries to learn how to, how to do something. You know, I'm like playing a game and I make the same mistake 50 times in a row. And it's like, man, why can't I remember this? So that is the, the beauty of the AI is like you train it once. It does it exactly right every single time. But the part that's taking me forever. And I think this is a lot of people's experience is like learning how to train it. Right. Nobody knows right now like nobody you know you take this type of engineering right prompt engineering it's essentially writing code in in english like it's you know from from my minimal experience of of writing code and i can understand and at least read you know basic languages uh, sql javascript database languages i can read what's happening and it's the same exact thing except for you're using english words but it's still code because for example like if you're going to if you're going to feed it an example and you say read the following example it will mess it up unless you put uh carrots 
what are those carrot things called the arrows? on the keyboard? I don't know. Uh, I call them arrows, um, little up arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The sideways arrow. Um, oh, the, so, the, the like less than greater Yeah, the than less side. than. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you're going to feed it an example, this is super specific, but if you're going to feed it an example, you say, read this example. You have to put a you know greater than sign less than whichever one is the one that's bigger on the right side. Um, you have to basically put like, this is the example and you have to put that those brackets around it. You could probably use brackets too. So you say, read this example, brackets, example, and then you put the example and then you put another bracket and you put example. And that's how you write code. Like if you're writing CSS, like with this, how style works on websites, you have to do that. And if you don't do it, it breaks. And it's the same thing with prompt engineering. If you don't do that, then it doesn't know where the example starts and stops. And so it will just give you something really weird. And the thing that's frustrating, eh, I mean, marginally frustrating, I guess, about prompt engineering is that in regular engineering, if you do it and you don't put the brackets at the end, it just won't work. And it won't tell you why it doesn't work. ChatGPT or whatever AI you're using is different because it will give you something. It just <laughs> will give you something that's wrong. So you still have to go in and diagnose where it's wrong, which is exactly how programming works. Like what takes forever in programming is you run this code and it doesn't work. And you're like, why the heck does it not work? And that's what takes forever about writing the prompts is like, you have to figure out what it understands, what it doesn't understand. The thing with the brackets, like I had to figure that out on my own. Like you go and try to Google it or look it up on whatever. There's no resources of anybody being like, here's how it works. You go on like chat GBT or open AI's discord. And it's a bunch of people being like, look, I made it write this funny story. And you're like, this is useless. I'm trying to actually use this for something practical. Um, so you just have to try a million times to see what works. So that's actually one big breakthrough was when I figured out you have to bracket around if you're going to feed it an example. And that's how you train it. You train it on your own writing or your own data. But then, and this just goes, it's like an endless rabbit hole because then you're like, okay, so what? how do you structure the data that you feed it? So let's say I'm trying to make a personality quiz with four outcomes and I know what my outcomes are and I want to feed it that. Now I need to feed it those outcomes, but I need to label them. I need to label it outcome one, outcome one description, outcome two, outcome two description. And then when I tell it to print out a quiz, I need to tell it, create a quiz that has an equal number of outcomes to the ones listed above. Otherwise it's going to like cut them out. So very, very specific. And then you can get down to like the granular level. Like I was working on one this morning where you know, there's a type of quiz that's basically it's framed around like, what's the best next step? And this works for anything. Like what's the best next step in your fitness journey? What's the best next step in your business? But next step, like could be other words, like what's the best direction? What's the best way? What's the best path? So then what you're going to do is you're going to put brackets around that part and you're going to put all the different words that it could have separated by commas. So you're going to say, what's the best next way, comma, path, comma, direction, comma, whatever, right? 
And then you're going to say, give some version of this title in the output. And then you're going to set the randomness to a higher randomness so that it will give you every time it spits out a different version of that title. So it's not always exactly the same. So you can get down like at the word level, at the structure level, and then it just kind of scales up and down. It reminds me a lot of, um, you know, being in school or in college and we had to figure out how to Google correctly. And you had to like really figure out, okay, what are the words that I need to put in here? And I don't remember it for the life of me now, but it had to like, if you put a comma, that meant something. If you put a plus sign, that meant something. Or you had to say like, and, or you had to say, or, or you had to like, what symbol was it that was, um, it would say like, I think it was like a, a dash where it would say like, don't, it was like meant like, don't include this. You know, mm. like if you're like, I'm looking for um, milk, don't include dairy. You would put like a dash or something that mm. so that it didn't come up with, you know, how products it came up with like other alternatives. Um, my point being that I feel like us millennials were made for this. We can figure this out. Yeah. And I would say it's somewhere between that and like learning html or javascript like i think it's much more advanced than what google can do which is why there's all this hullabaloo about is this gonna be the next google or whatever um i think it's because it is better um it also means it's more complicated and it's going to be really interesting to see like where the industry goes i think there's going to be a lot of uh snake oil salespeople as there always is of like, you know, selling prompt design and selling prompts and stuff like that, where, you know, it's, it's not that complicated. Um, it'll probably be something that's taught in schools as like a, a programming language or just a language in general, like the language of AI, like how do you interface with AIs properly? Um, but yeah, that's that a lot of people have been saying the Google analogy. I I personally think it's it's much more advanced, but somewhere between that and programming, which is great because it just makes programming more accessible cuz programming you have to learn new languages, which is tough like and in, in schools like you know, at least where I went to school, you know, programmers didn't have to take a foreign language cuz if, you know, programming counted as a language. Um, so I think that this puts it somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that's wild. I actually did not know that, that you didn't know how to take another like actual foreign language if you were learning that's wild. Um, so in the topic of actually using this for your business, what do you need to know about your business in order to come up with the correct prompts? Yeah, I think this is where, you know, it kind of comes back to the fundamentals. Like you need to know how to convey what your business does in a paragraph, like in or two or three sentences. Uh, you need to have content around the core pillars of what you do. Like, you know, that's that's exactly what I've learned with quizzes, right? We're reinventing our platform 
to run on AI. So you can generate a quiz that's written in your voice based on your content um, without having to write anything. But in order to do that, like you have to have a voice that's already in text format that's concise and you know pared down and and not just a long rambling you know thing because the, if you put in a long and rambling thing it's going to spit out a long and rambling thing and that's not what you want and then also like this is what i've had to learn building our ai is we have to to be concise about what we know around building quizzes like we've been doing this for 10 years but in order to train the ai effectively i've basically had to distill down and like you know gather data from everything that we have of like how do our quizzes work in 600 words per like quiz type which is really tough because it's a lot easier to write something in like 10,000 words of like, here's how my business works. Like, but then you're like, okay, now I need to, to train that to an AI and the AI is not going to do well if I give it 10,000 words. So how do I make that 600 words? So I would say the skill that that's going to be really, really valuable is learning to, to speak concisely because that is what the AI really thrives on is like, structured data like there's a whole crop of companies that just help you structure your data now they charge an absurd amount of money but if you can learn how to structure your knowledge and what your business does into concise formats i think that's super valuable and let's say you're you're you've got it down you're like okay i have all this information what what do you think is the first thing someone should use AI on or for? Yeah, that's a good question. Whatever problem or whatever like content you need to create like today, like whatever it is you're working on, like whatever the next thing is you're struggling with. Um, and the next video that I want to put out is about a template, like building a template library for yourself, because I think that's also going to be really valuable is having your own internal template library. Like let's say it's writing Instagram captions. So if you want to write good Instagram captions from let's say like longer form content you're doing, then you'll, you'll write some instructions for the AI. You'll say, read this content. Now write me three different summaries of that content in one sentence. Um, and here's how to structure the sentence started off with, you know, something positive, end it with something actionable and make that sentence less than 75 characters, right? So that's an example of like how granular a prompt needs to be uh, to make it actually effective. And then you'll have to play with it to make sure it works and give you the out outputs you want and play with the temperature, which is basically the randomness control um, that will figure out how effectively that thing is going to work. So do that, right? With, if you're doing Instagram captions today, now you have a template for Instagram captions. Every other time you need to generate Instagram captions from another piece of content you put out, you can just do the same thing. Grab the, grab the raw content, put it in your template, run your template. There you go. You've got your captions. And I would say 
like the more you can build up that library of automations for your business using the AI, like the faster you're going to be. And, you know, I, the video, I think I'll, I'll probably use the, the, the headline of like 20 X in your output, because when I would write a quiz working with a client one-on-one, -on -one, you're looking at like 20 hours. Um, and now it's less than one. So it's, and that's, but that's because I'm running like, I don't know, four or five different templates, uh, prompt, prompt templates basically to make that quiz for that client. And of course, like working with them in between to, to get the information from them that they want to put into the quiz. But yeah, I mean, if, if you can get yourself a template library built out and just do it piecewise, like the worst thing you could do, this is a mistake that I made was like. I'm going to write all the templates. I did that like over the break in isolation and I came back and I'm not using any of those because of course, like I actually start talking to customers and they're like, that's not what I want. Um, so you have to stay connected to reality. This is where I think like the AI versus real life thing comes back in. It's like, you have to stay connected to reality. Otherwise it's, it's going to be useless. I think that's a really good point. One that templates can be really helpful because the whole idea of this is to be faster, get content out faster, but also more efficiently. And you don't want to spend too much time playing around, but you also want to make sure that you're staying true to the core of like being an entrepreneur, which is to like serve people. So you need to like have that FaceTime. This isn't meant to sort of like replace anything. It's supposed to help automate. It's supposed to like help you do your job better, help you do your job faster. And also, I guess, like make it easier for you so you can do what you really want, which is, you know, more financial freedom or like more time, you know, and and letting things run on its own. So you're not actually working longer than you should be. Yeah, that's a super good point. And <laughs> like, I think that that's, that's that's the point of all this right is like what's the overall thing and we talk about this all the time at interact that like we start all of our like big kickoff meetings with this of like what are we doing here like this is not just about the work like we don't live to work we work to live and work is exciting and it's fun but like it's not all the things and so this is a way to like bring those other things into your life the things that like are really satisfying, filling, you know, time with people that you really care about and being outside and pursuing activities and hobbies and all that kind of stuff. And so I do think that's the purpose with all this. And that's, that's kind of the, the great thing about it is like, it can unlock just faster output. So it's like stuff that's, and like, this is my opinion about this stuff. Like, you know, with the prompt engineering, it's a lot of these things that we're automating, were super formulaic anyways. Like I would sit down and write a quiz for somebody and it's like, I've written basically the same quiz 500 times. The only difference is this client's unique voice. And now you can just tell the AI, hey, write the same quiz, but with this person's voice. And then, you know, put their voice into it and it works, right? So I think that's that's where it really excels in terms of like, net new stuff, like mm -mm. <laughs> not at all.
Um, but the, this stuff is just like automating stuff that was already, you know, 90% reusing anyways. So part of like what we're talking about, right. Is learning how to create a prompt to get the correct output. Like when you are sort of learning a new, a new tool or like a new way to do something, it, it does, there is like that little bit of learning curve, how like how easy or I guess difficult would you say it is to actually learn this process and like get it down so that way like the next time you are trying to build a template library you're like okay I, I know I know the steps I know exactly what I want to do I just it's now kind of muscle memory I need to just get in there and do it and then build all this out I mean I can only speak from my personal experience and it's is actually extremely difficult. Um, like it, you've heard the story, I think, but my, my first business was repairing laptops. Um, and I, I learned how to uh, fix a virus on a laptop back when that used to happen. Um, it was actually wild back in the day. Like, I don't know if you remember this, like when computers would just get completely locked because a virus would be on there and like, you couldn't even access anything. Um, so I would buy those computers and, fix them. And I, it took me about three days to figure out how to do that of just like working uh, like long, long hours. I've been on this for three months and we're like 30% of the way to our goal in terms of like a, an interact AI that really works in a way that's like safe and effective. So it's, it's really difficult um, to build these things. And I think that honestly, I think it's a decision that, that you have to make. And, you know, now everybody's kind of getting exposure to this world of programming that I've had tangential access to for a while, where in programming, the number one question is always build versus buy versus do manually. And, Honestly, do manually is the best choice a lot of the time in programming. And I think that's going to be the same here where, yeah, you could automate something, but I think it's really important to kind of run like a, a pros and cons checklist of like, how much time does it take me to run, to do this task? How often do I have to do it? Because it's going to take you, you know, I would say however long it takes you to do a task, this is probably like a good metric, like however long it takes you to do a task, writing a prompt template for that task will probably take you 10 times as long as it takes you to do the task once just manually. So, you know, if it's a task that, and that probably is different if it's like a short task. So if it's a short task, it's probably like 20 X. Um, so you kind of have to run the calculation in your head. Like, is it worth it for me to try to figure out how to make a template for this? Or do I just do this manually for now? And that's that's just kind of a general business problem as well. Like, right. how do you how how much do you automate things, and how much do you not? Because automating always takes time. Yeah, I was also thinking of you know what sort of the potential of you know new types of entrepreneurs coming out of this who are specific to you know their services are running AI prompts and getting that output for you. But it's like, is that something you should even actually pay for? 
Um, yes, very reluctantly. Um, <laughs> I would say it's going to be the same as. I don't want to pick any industry because then people are going to get mad. <laughs> any industry, any any, because it would be a service. Any service that you ever pay for, think about how hard it is to actually find like what you're looking for. It's it's very difficult to find the right solution for what you're trying to do, and oftentimes, unfortunately, there's just people trying to make money and not really deliver value. It's gonna be the same thing, especially because it's so new. I think it's it's ripe for that. It's ripe for people just like charging you a lot of money, you know, giving you back templates that are just pretty useless for your business. Um, if I was an entrepreneur just starting out and I wasn't technical enough to like make a tool with AI, that's probably what I would do. Honestly, I would probably be like an AI consultant and, you know, write prompts for people. Uh, I think it's a big opportunity for like service providers. Um, but from the purchasing end, I think it's super right for exploitation where like a lot of people are going to spend a lot of money on really not good services, um, which is going to be super unfortunate because I think it's going to put a, a really bad spin on the effectiveness of AI because you're going to get stuff back. It's like the common story of, you know, you pay for something the version you get back is just not what you expected. Yeah, I guess I would say like with any sort of purchase for your business, it is an investment, right? Like you want to invest in yourself. You want to invest in your business. And sometimes it is better to pay for something or pay for someone to help you rather than taking the time to to figure it out. And it may not necessarily look right or you might not get the results that you want but sort of take it with a grain of salt where, you know, you might sometimes pay for something and it's not what you thought it was or it's not of the quality. Um, but I think that's why it's important to really figure out the answer to like what, how established do I need to be or what do I need to know about my customers? What do I need to know about my business and even myself as an entrepreneur and how I serve my clients before spending money on whether it it is AI or even like Facebook ads or, you know, picking out who your next business coach is going to be, um, different things like that. I think it's that's always the first step is really understanding like who you are as an entrepreneur and how you serve your clients and your business before jumping into all of this to save yourself from spending money that you might not need to spend right now. Yeah, and I would say it's very, very helpful. Even if you if you kind of dive in a little bit and you decide it's not for you, I think it's extremely helpful to have a baseline knowledge of how it works um, before paying anybody. So you can go watch our videos uh, on on YouTube, just kind of showing what we're doing, which is basically how we're doing those videos. Like here's how we're actually using it at Interact and here's how we're using it to build Interact AI. So you can see our process and, and kind of how those prompts are getting built just so you at least kind of can talk the language because you know what always ends up happening, right? Like people use 
fancy words and they, they try to get you to not question what they're doing and then they'd overcharge you and underdeliver. So I would say have a baseline knowledge, at least watch a handful of videos. I think even like, um, I know we talked about this before we actually hit record how last week you didn't like the term pro uh, prompt mm. engineering. And yeah. then after kind of looking into it now you do, but like it is because when you first sort of hear about it, it is, is it, it's like, is it another gimmick? Like, is this what people are just doing just to get sales or like get people to like watch them or, you know, listen to them or read their stuff. But it could be, you know, there's just those two sides to everything. Like it could be something really, really great, but you have to be, you know, kind of careful. And, and like you said, like have that baseline knowledge. Um, I also wanted to call out that we do have an article that we're going to link for you guys in the show notes called 13 chat GPT prompts for marketers to multiply their output. I think it's a great way to at least get started and um, playing around with what do prompts look like um, and how can I get started to even like test out the product? Because if you don't know, if you're like me and you didn't know even know what prompts to put in there. It's not going to feel as cool, but if you could see what it can actually do with a prompt that works, I think even just seeing that will be super helpful in, in sort of like making that next step. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think like looking at some of that stuff and yeah, I mean, uh, my initial reaction to anything I don't understand is to make fun of it. Um, and my fiance <laughs> is always giving me crap about that because she's like, you make fun of things and then two weeks later, you love it. Um, and everybody has a different initial reaction though. Like some people, I think the, the news loves to play up the scary side of it. So, you know, there's probably a lot of folks that are scared of AI of like, is it sentient? Like, sorry, I didn't mean to use like a demeaning term. Cause that's actually a scary thought. Like, is yeah. it sentient? Like, and if it is like, I don't want to be anywhere near that. Right. Which, you know, I, my conclusion is it's definitely not like, it's just really good at imitating humans. And that's, that is also scary. Um, so there's a scary response. There's the, you know, this is dumb response. There's the, you know, this is going to be everything response. I'm all in. And I don't know that any of those like overreactions are necessarily helpful. So that's, I think why it's also important to, to watch some stuff, um, try to stay away from the uh, crypto bros turned web three bros turned AI bros on YouTube who will tell you you can make a million dollars a day. Anybody who tells you you can make a million dollars a day using AI, just don't watch that video. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the one thing I, I will say about it though, is uh, I watched this video or it was a reel, I think um, by Gary V the other day. And he was kind of talking about how in, I don't even remember the year, 97 in the nineties when you know, the internet was starting to become mainstream, or like it was in more homes. People were worried about it sort of taking jobs and they were mad about it existing, I guess you could say. And he was like, I'm going to say the same thing now about AI that I had said back then about the internet is that, you know, it is here, it's coming. So, you know, you could either use it, you you don't have to, but regardless, it's here. So I think one of the things like my takeaway from that was at least just, you know, just check it out for yourself. It doesn't hurt to um, at least just see if you like it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I think I told this on the last podcast episode too, but 
when when copper was invented in like whatever year that was people like freaked out and they were like this is from the devil <laughs> and it's like you know it, it happens every time like there's a change like it's it's tough i mean and change is like the number one you know that's part of what i think separates us from the ais is like humans do not like change um and that's that's totally natural and i think valid so i think that's that's another big thing to acknowledge in all this is like it's it's new it's very different um and like it's okay if your initial reaction is like i don't want to go anywhere near this i think it's it's just like learn learn what it's about and then kind of make your decision that's that's what i did i love that love that well josh thank you so much for hopping on and talking with me today to close out i guess like what what would you say is maybe your top three best practices for using AI in your business? Yeah, I think number one, always start with something you've created. I've, I can, you can try it for yourself, but I've, you know, banged my head against the wall 500,000 times trying to get it to make something from scratch. And it's just like a losing battle. It's, you know, you, you give it very specific instructions and then it sounds really boring. You give it general instructions and then it just makes stuff up. Um, but then if you just sit down and you write three sentences, that's exactly what you want to say. And then you tell it, Hey, make this into like five other versions. Boom. Every single time. Um, so I'd say that's number one. Number two, I think learn the syntax. I think that's the name of it. Like the structuring, like labeling, you know, and I think this is like the, the labeler's dream, right? Like the person that has all the post-it notes on everything, like this is like the, this is like heaven, um, you know, like everything has to be labeled. Like when you're building a prompt, label every single item. This is a quiz question. This is a quiz answer. This is a quiz answer score. This is the next quiz answer. Like you give it that and it excels. You don't give it that and it makes it up and you're like, oh, this is messy. So those are number one and number two. And then number three is like, tell it exactly how you want the output to look because it tends to ramble. Like it really tends to ramble as do humans, which is part of, I think the, the human footprint or copycat, whatever you want to call it. Like you know, you ask a person to explain what they do, right? And the average person is going to go on for, you know, 30 minutes. Um, That's you ask them me. to, ex <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, it's, it's a natural tendency. Um, but then you ask him, you know, so getting the, getting the AI outputs to be short and concise is the hardest part getting it to give you a concise answer that contains all the information that you actually want, super difficult. So I would say those would be the top three. I love that. That's great. And we do have a ton of videos on our YouTube already for different types of, you know, even AI systems, Josh teaching you how to do prompts. We'll link that in the show notes. But if you look us up at Trey Interact, um, they're the most recent ones and we'll link that 13 chat gpt prompts for marketers to multiply their output articles that way you guys could check that out start playing around and thanks for listening we'll see you next time